Hi, this is Pastor Sam Murphy from Christ Centered Church, and you are listening to Christ Centered Cast. I asked Kendra um, to specifically sing Come Thou Found tonight, um, partially because it's one of my favorite hymns. Um, the line specifically, uh, tune my heart to sing thy grace. That has been a, a line of the song that has been on my desk at work for the last five years in one way or another. Um, and it's just a really good reminder to remember the grace that God has given me. And when I'm dealing with people at work, they deserve the same grace. And that's just been a line of that song that has always meant a lot to me. And I wanted to do some research on the song to learn more about it, to learn about who wrote it, um, when he wrote it, why he wrote it, and um, just kind of to learn more about it. And I asked Kendra if we could sing it tonight um, to slowly move into the message. Uh, the song Come the Fount was written by Robert Robinson in 1758. He had a rough childhood. Uh, he lost his dad at a very young age, and because of that, it was up to him to support his widowed mom himself. Uh, so he had to get a job at a very young age. He had to uh, just take care of a lot of things. And his maternal grandfather actually cut him and his mom out of the will. They, he only gave them a very small amount of money because he did not agree with his daughter's choice in a marriage partner. So she, he completely cut them off. Uh, so he, he was the sole breadwinner of the family for him and his mom. And as he grew up, he began to hang out with the wrong crowd. And um, at one of the events that he was at with the wrong crowd, they ran across a minister named George Whitefield. And George Whitefield was preaching, and it caught Robert's attention, and it completely changed his outlook on life. He decided to um, study more and to become a minister himself and preach God's word himself. And in his early 20s, he actually penned the song, Come Thou Fount. And he penned it um, specifically to remember God's grace and God's mercy. Unfortunately, uh, Robert fell away from the faith, and he no longer preached uh, the word as he once did. He no longer believed in God's grace and God's mercy. He turned completely away from the faith few years, probably more than a few, um, down the road, uh, Robert was in a stagecoach, if that tells you how long ago it was, and it was just him and another passenger, and the other passenger was a woman who happened to be humming a song, and then she started singing it, and it ended up being Come Thou Fount, and she asked him after she was done singing it what he thought about it, and he said, Madam I am the unhappy man who wrote that hymn many years ago, and I would give a thousand worlds if I had them, if I could feel now as I felt then. And she responded with, the streams of mercy are still flowing. The streams of mercy are still flowing, even for us today. They never stop. No matter where you've been in life, where you've come from, where you're going, if you've turned away from the Lord, uh, the streams of mercy are always there. They're always flowing, and God is always ready to welcome you back. And this is something that we are going to see tonight in Matthew 9, 9 through 13. We're going to be looking at the call of Matthew as a disciple. The previous verses 
in Matthew 9, Matthew 9, 1 through 8, are when Jesus heals a paralytic. His two friends bring him to Jesus, or, yeah, paralytic's two friends bring him to Jesus, and Jesus heals him physically, and then he declares that he is able to heal people spiritually by forgiving their sins. This section of Matthew is set up where Jesus and his disciples, the ones he had called up until this point, are traveling, retracing their steps on a journey, and they're currently at the Sea of Galilee. So this passage, Matthew 9, 9 through 13, is right after Jesus says, I can heal you both physically and spiritually. So tonight we are going to see that there are two lessons we learn about living the gospel from the calling of Matthew. So Matthew 9, 9 through 13 states, As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to come before you and worship you in many different settings, in many different ways, through song and through your word. Right now, I just pray that you will be with everyone here tonight and open their hearts and their minds to hear what you would have me share with them, God, through you. And I just pray that you would help us to take these lessons on living the gospel to heart and apply them to our lives. And I just pray this all in your name. Amen. The first lesson that we learn is that living the gospel is about tuning our hearts to God's grace. The difference between grace and mercy is that grace is not deserved, but it is freely given. Mercy is showing compassion and kindness and withholding deserved punishment. So those are two differences that I want to point out between the two lessons that we are going to learn. So the first lesson is that living the gospel is about tuning our hearts to God's grace. We see in verse 9, it says, As Matthew passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. I was talking to Kendra about this verse specifically a little bit before service. And we were talking about what could possibly have been going on through Matthew's head at that time. Um, he probably didn't know Jesus, but he probably knew of him. So to have Jesus come up to you and say, follow me, and just to get up and go, I can't imagine really what that was like. Matthew was a tax collector, and during this time, tax collectors were seen as liars, thieves, cheats, and sinners. So it's also a good point that Jesus called Matthew, because he will call anyone to him. It does not matter what your background is. Um, the gospel salvation is for you. One thing that when I was reading, I studying, I read a lot about fish economy during this time in the Sea of Galilee, which I never thought that I would do. 
Um, but everything that passed through the Sea of Galilee was taxed, including the fish. And Matthew, being a tax collector, most likely was one of the people taxing the goods coming through and probably at some point taxing unfairly. So Jesus has now called a tax collector to be a disciple among fishermen from the Sea of Galilee. And I, when I was studying this, was thinking about what were those disciples thinking when they saw Jesus call Matthew to follow him? Were they questioning why he would do that, knowing that Matthew did this to them? And then what was Matthew thinking, joining this group of disciples, thinking those four probably don't like me at all because I did this? Um, but Jesus showed Matthew grace, and the disciples did as well. Another interesting thing about uh, Matthew being a tax collector is this passage is repeated in Mark and Luke as well. And in Mark and Luke, uh, they call him Matthew or Levi, and then throughout the rest of the book, they only call him by those two names. Matthew always refers to himself as Matthew the tax collector. And that is just a reminder to himself to not forget where God called him from, where God saved him from, and to remember that God's grace saved him from being a sinner, being a thief, being a tax collector. Those are two things um, that we should remember as well. We should remember the call to follow him, and we should remember what he has saved us from. In verse 10, Matthew goes on to say, And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. During this time, uh, eating together, dining together, reclining with one another was a very big sign of social intimacy. It meant that you were all welcoming one another and you were very close with one another. And Jesus wasn't afraid to be there with that group of people. He wanted to show them the grace that they deserved. And the tax collectors and Matthew's friends all just gathered around to learn more about Jesus and to learn more from Jesus because they had heard about him, and now they had the opportunity to hang out with him. This shows us that we should expand our friendship groups, our relationships to people outside of other believers of other people that are like us, because we aren't spreading the gospel, we aren't showing God's grace to others if we are only staying in our close-knit of people, if we aren't welcoming others in to our group. When was the last time that you reflected on Jesus's call to follow him? Do you remember the first time that Jesus called you to follow him? We should say yes to this call again every single morning. Remember the grace that God has shown you in your life and think about someone in your life that you can share God's grace with. We learned that we need to tune our hearts to sing, sing God's grace no matter the situation, no matter the person. They are deserving of it. The passage doesn't stop there, though, because naturally someone has something to say about what Jesus is doing. And we see that in society today as well. Somebody, usually, not all the time, but will have something to say about something good being done or something that they don't agree with 
And oftentimes they don't actually address it with the person that they should be addressing it to. And we actually see that in this passage. Verse 11 says, And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? A Pharisee uh, during this time was somebody that was very self-righteous. They were, um, they believed that they were holier than thou. They believed that they had this, uh, excuse me, this Christian thing on lock. They were following the law. They were following the traditions and the rituals. And they were all hanging out with one another. And they could not believe that Jesus was hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. And instead of addressing Jesus, they addressed his disciples. The Pharisees were very self-righteous, and that is something that sometimes we can fall into as well, believing that we know what's best, believing that we're interpreting the Bible correctly, what we believe is what is right, and there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And the Pharisees believed that what Jesus was doing was wrong. In verse 12, though, we see that Jesus hears them ask it, and he actually answers. It says, but when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Jesus is explaining here the difference between a healthy spirit versus a sick spirit. The Pharisees believed that they had a healthy spirit and that they didn't need um, Jesus's teachings and what Jesus was sharing. And they believed that they had already reached that point. And Jesus is saying, if you are not willing to accept what I'm teaching, what I'm offering, then there's really nothing I can do to help you. But these tax collectors and sinners that are eating here with me, they want to hear more. They want to know how to be healed. They want to know how to be saved. And they're who I'm here for. The Pharisees and Jesus had very different ideas and paths at what it meant to live out the gospel. They the Pharisees believed that if they were following the law and the traditions and doing everything by the book that they believed was correct, that they then could have salvation. Jesus came to save all of us while we were still sinners. And we see that in Romans 5, 8. It says, but God demonstrated his own love towards us while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus' mission wasn't for us to have our lives together and um, follow all the laws and traditions before we could accept that gift of salvation. His mission was people. He wanted to get to know the people he was around. He wanted to have the people learn from him. He met the people where they were at. He wasn't expecting any of them to already know what they needed to know, and he's not expecting any of us to know what we need to know before we can come to him. The second lesson that we learn is living the gospel is remembering the streams of God's mercy never stop flowing. In verse 13, it says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Here we see Jesus uh, giving a call to action or reflection. He literally tells the Pharisees, go and learn what this means. Go and learn, figure out what you should be doing with your lives. 
He says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And he is actually quoting the Old Testament here. He is quoting Hosea 6, 6, which talks about how external sacrifices and good works don't really get you anywhere when it comes to living the gospel unless your heart is right behind it. You are just doing it outwardly to do it and to look good, and your heart isn't in it, it's not going to matter. Jesus is telling us that he desires mercy and not sacrifice. He wants us to selflessly and gently love those around us and show them mercy and show them grace um, and truly mean it, not just to put on a face and pretend like that's the case, to look good in other people's eyes. Again, verse 13 says, Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus came to save sinners. He came to save each and every one of us, even though we didn't deserve it. He showed us grace and he showed us mercy by dying on the cross for us. And that is grace and mercy that we should be showing to others and that's how we live the gospel. Sinners who thirst for righteousness are closer to true righteousness than the self-satisfied. Jesus wasn't blind to the faults of the people he dined with. His mercy withheld judgment on them, though. Jesus knew their hearts, and he knew they wanted to know him more. Jesus isn't blind to our faults, either. He knows everything about us. And I know sometimes um, when something's going on in my life and I feel too embarrassed to pray about it, or um, I'm like, I don't want to bother Jesus with that. It's silly. He already knows. He already knows. So we should just talk to him about it. We should go to him and say, I know you already know. You're not blind to my faults but his mercy withholds judgment on us as well when we go to him and we talk to him about it. So what are we going to do with this? What are we going to do with these two lessons? The first lesson being living the gospel is tuning our hearts to sing God's grace. And the second one being living the gospel is remembering the streams of mercy never stop flowing. How often do you reflect on the call to follow Jesus? You just go about your day kind of forgetting about it until it's time to do your devotions or it's time to go to church. Again, think about the last time that you did this. If it's been a while, take a few moments to think about it now. Think about when you first encountered Jesus. Think about where you've come from, what he saved you from. And think about the friends that you've made along the way. Next, when was the last time you showed someone the love and gentleness of Jesus? When was the last time you took the opportunity to help someone on the path to healing? We're not called to judge others, but to welcome them where they are at as they are. The streams of mercy are always flowing. Maybe you feel like you've fallen away from Jesus. 
the good news is you are never too far to return to him. I recently went on a student life retreat uh, for my job at Moody in the city. And uh, we had a few different sessions each day. And at night, uh, my new boss actually shared about a book he was reading called The Ragamuffin Gospel. It's by Brennan Manning, and I would highly recommend it. Um, there's so much that I would love to share with you all about it. So if you want to talk to me about it later, I would love to. Um, but he specifically shared a quote that really spoke to me personally at this retreat. Uh, the, treat, the retreat was for student leaders at Moody Bible Institute to get them and their hearts and their minds prepared to welcome all of these new students back to campus. And those in residence life were there as well, which is why I was there. And I wanted to share the quote with you all tonight, because sometimes in life it's easy to fall away from God and to fall away from what we are supposed to be doing and fall away from um, living the gospel. And we just get into a routine of our day-to-day -day and we kind of, if we have time for Jesus, we'll read the Bible. If we have time for Jesus, we'll take time out of our day to pray. Um, but it's important that we are tuning our hearts to God's grace and that we are remembering that the streams of mercy are always flowing and we are always welcome to come back to him. Uh, the quote by Brennan Manning is, what makes authentic disciples is not visions, ecstasies, biblical mastery of chapter and verse, or spectacular success in the ministry, but a capacity for faithfulness. Buffeted by the fickle winds of failure, battered by their own unruly emotions, and bruised by rejection and ridicule, authentic disciples may have stumbled and frequently fallen, endured lapses and relapses, gotten handcuffed to the flesh posts, and wandered into a far country. Yet, they kept coming back to Jesus. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the example that we have from Matthew. Um, being called to you from a background of being known as a liar and a cheater, we thank you for the example that he is of just dropping everything and following you and of remembering where he came from and the grace that you gave to save him, God. We thank you for the example of the Pharisees and what not to be and how to welcome people where they are at and to remember that no, water, no matter what, the streams of mercy are always flowing for us. God, I pray that you will help us to be authentic disciples and to remember that it's based on our faithfulness to you. I pray that you help us to remember when we feel like we've fallen away or we're too far gone, that the most important thing is to continue to come back to you because your mercy and grace are always flowing for us, God. And I just pray all of this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Christ Centered Cast. Please join us again next week. God bless.